Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, Captain Marvel has to convince the comic book fanboys. Okay, prove you're not a scroll. It's a photon blast. And? A scroll cannot do that. I'm just supposed to take your word for that. The Oscar winning If Beale Street Could Talk blends realism and romance. Just remember. Beyond song. And the price of everything looks at the art bubble and who benefits. 99% of artists don't have money. They have to make an enemy of envy or it will eat them alive. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. The movies like to think they're in the business of brutal reality. Jean-Luc Godard's famous line about film being the truth 24 times a second. But really, it's always been in the fairy tale racket. Even Godard's quote continues, and every cut is a lie. Right now, there's some dispute over which fairy tales get to be heard. Representing is the word of the day, even if, or perhaps particularly if, the tale seems supremely unimportant. Be careful, Diana. Who is this woman? She's my um, secretary, sir. She's a very good secretary. When Wonder Woman blasted on the big screen, it was significant. Not just because it wasn't bad, but because for the first time, women carried a big deal comic book movie in front of and behind the camera. And later, Black Panther achieved fame beyond its mere commercial success because it was seen as representing its community. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. Fairy tales are clearly more important than they look, and no more so than when they're real-life fairy tales about upcoming movies. Before Wonder Woman and Black Panther were even released, the internet was swamped with torrents of abuse, and the racism and sexism unleashed was alarming and depressing. Are you ready? Light your torches and go! Well, a couple of weeks ago, the review bomb trolls were back in even greater numbers, attacking the latest Marvel Comics blockbuster, Captain Marvel, for not only featuring a female superhero, but also daring to hand the production to a mostly women creative team. I have this power, but I don't know where it came from. I've never seen anything like her. You think you can find others? She's just the beginning. The review website Rotten Tomatoes was besieged by thousands of write-ups before the film came out, mostly complaining that the film probably hated men, was probably pushing a radical feminist agenda, and how dare they? Needless to say, the opinion of people who have actually seen the film is a little different and more reliable. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. 
But the fact that the story of Carol Danvers' battle with the space invaders is mostly written and directed by women means that there are some differences from the standard movie fairy tale. Maybe you could say the same about the long-awaited If Beale Street Could Talk. And who's going to be responsible for this baby? The father and the mother. When I hold you in my arms, I gotta hold our baby in my arms. We'll find a way. James Baldwin's famous novel has been given an Oscar-nominated treatment by Moonlight director Barry Jenkins. But while it deals with the realities of racism in American cities, it's still framed as a fairy tale romance. And truth is certainly not at the heart of the relationship between art and money. There's a lot of people that know the price of everything and the value of nothing. (laughs) How can anything be worth the inflated prices demanded in Nathaniel Kahn's bemused documentary, The Price of Everything? Still, when in doubt, print the legend. And the latest legend is the new-to-me superhero called Captain Marvel. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. Well, there's no shame in being a bit vague about the good captain. There have been several comic book Captain Marvels over the years, male and female, including a kid who turns into the superhero by saying the magic word Shazam. Don't worry, Marvel aren't going in that direction. Instead, writer-directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck are embracing a new captain in a new decade. When a mysterious space warrior, played by Brie Larson, crashes on Earth, she lands in a blockbuster warehouse. It's the 90s when women were starting to do it for themselves. Where's your head at? In the clouds. Where's yours? On my shoulders. About to show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher, further, faster, baby. That's right. That's Bree in another timeline as rookie jet pilot Carol Danvers with her best buddy Maria Rambo. And there's a certain amount of timeline sorting required before Captain Marvel is finally allowed to settle. We are Cree. Strong. United. You have to let go of the past. I don't remember my past. Control it. When we first meet our heroine, she's on another planet, practising martial arts with her mentor, Yon Rig. Jude Law is most charming. They're both members of a superior alien race of warriors called the Kree. But Bree has nagging memories of another planet. I wonder which one it can be. I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. Jude and Bree lead a posse of the best and brightest Cree to take on their sworn enemies, the shape-shifting Skrulls. Somehow Bree gets separated and chases the Skrulls to a certain familiar planet, one that worships video cassettes in blockbuster warehouses. There's laser fire, rockets, explosions, and understandably, the authorities are called in. Space invasion. Big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. 
He sounds like Nick Fury from the Avengers movies, and he looks like him, albeit 30 years younger. Samuel L. Jackson it is, digitally rejuvenated. And immediately he and Bree start rubbing sparks off each other in the approved manner. And you're a Cree, a race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Nobody does banter like the Marvel Comics movies, and within minutes we've fallen in love with both characters. Bree, now fairly sure her character's called Carol and not her Cree name, Veers, teams up with Nick Fury and an equally callow Agent Coulson to track down the space invaders. Grunge is a good look for you. Did you have a rough day, Agent Fury? I'm going to need clarification on this space invasion. Scrolls are infiltrating your planet. And where the usual male-driven comic book films are all about the gang, the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the X-Men, Captain Marvel is all about one-on-one relationships. Better shapeshifters. Okay, prove you're not a scroll. That's a photon blast. And... A scroll cannot do that. I'm just supposed to take your word for that. Aside from the buddy cop Fury, Carol finds her old best friend Maria, not to mention Maria's preteen daughter. And she has a surrogate parent in the Cree overlord, played by Annette Benning. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. Plus, of course, there's her complicated relationship with the Jude Law character who's on his way to help Carol out in any space battles she might have planned. And one thing you'll notice is the hole where a traditional boyfriend should be. Unlike just about every superhero and heroine I can think of, Carol doesn't have or seem to need even a token significant other. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. She's just getting started, though we know two things will happen by the end. The wobbly timelines and planet alignments will finally get sorted out, and Carol will become Captain Marvel. And 30 years on, an older, more one-eyed Nick Fury will summon her across the universe to help out the Avengers. What is this? The S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. Does announcing your identity on clothing help with the covert part of your job? Said the space soldier who was wearing a rubber suit. But before that, relax and enjoy the view. Marvel Comics films are generally sold on the promise of fanboy, geeky action and sci-fi plots. But that's never the secret of their success. They're all triumphant examples of trad family adventures fueled by smart scripts and old-fashioned star power. Aren't you the cutest little thing? Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? Gary. What's you? I'll be back. Fairy tale films like Captain Marvel are emphatic proof that, yes, they do make them like they used to, just a bit bigger. Or to put it another way, higher, further, faster, baby. I'm not what you think I am. This year's Academy Awards, while controversial in some of their choices, had one thing they could pat themselves on the back about. It was the strongest representation of people of colour since, well, 
since ever. The Green Book, Black Klansman, Black Panther and Into the Spider-Verse all got Oscars and so did the rather more high-minded If Beale Street Could Talk. You ready for this? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. You know I love you. No matter what happens... Beale Street is the first English-language adaptation of a book by the distinguished author James Baldwin. His adopted country, France, made a film of the same novel back in the 90s. This version won an Oscar for Regina King as Best Supporting Actress, as well as a nomination for the script by director Barry Jenkins. I'm yours in your mind, and that's it. You and me all the time. If Beale Street Could Talk, not the famous Beale Street in Memphis, but one in Harlem, New York, is initially the love story of childhood sweethearts Tish and Fonny. Just remember, Beyonce. So in love are Tish and Fonny and so breathtakingly gorgeous that it's hard to imagine anything could go wrong. Meanwhile, the trailer seems to go out of its way to tell the entire story of the star-crossed events of If Beale Street Could Talk. We are drinking to new life. Tish gonna have Fonny's baby. <laughs> I hope it's a boy. <laughs> Come on over here, daughter. You're a good girl, and I'm proud of you. But this is just the beginning. Tish is concerned how her family will react when she gets pregnant, but her earthy mum, Regina King, and equally supportive father and sister reassure her. However, there's one rather large inconvenience. I hope that nobody has ever had to look at anybody they love through glass. Fonny is in jail, and all the evidence is he's been framed by a vicious white cop. The cops, played by English actor Ed Screen, following in the tradition of most films like this, where the racist cop is always played by an Englishman. Hey, I know it doesn't look like much right now, but um, well, we're not done. You see, you gotta, you gotta imagine that there's like walls all the way up and down here, and I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's a work in progress. Yeah, see, it's, just, it's not done. It's a work in progress. The low-budget film is mostly cast with unknowns, apart from veteran Regina King, but there are a number of cameo roles by celebrity actors like Pedro Pascal, Diego Luna and Dave Franco. Oh, so you a hippie now? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I ain't take you for no hippie, man. <laughs> nah, man, I'm, uh... I don't know, I'm just my mother's son. Franco plays a good guy, but most of the other white characters in this film are either ineffectual or just plain evil. As one of Fonny's friends says, white people are the devil. And there's no point white audiences protesting that not all of them are. This is the perception of most black communities in the States, rightly or wrongly. We've known Fonny all his life. He's about to pay for something he didn't do. These are our children, and we got to set them free. There's no attempt to lay out a balanced, well-argued case for racial equality. Like James Baldwin's original book, If Beale Street Could Talk is a howl of anguish, all the more powerful because it's told by the sweet and reasonable Tish. I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean that for you. I love you. You know that. 
I do. And I understand what you're going through because I'm with you. Here, all the cards are stacked against the young lovers and the people trying to help them. Well, none of the evidence supporting them is admissible. Is it fair? Is it any less fair than what faces most of this community every day? If it's an angry fairy tale, then so are other American classics like To Kill a Mockingbird, The Grapes of Wrath and Rebel Without a Cause. Remember, love is what brought you here. And if you trusted love this far, don't panic now. Trust it all the way. I may have found the characters of Tish and Fonny too good and too glamorous to be true, and Fonny's holy roller mother a sort of paper tiger to score easy points off, but I'm unqualified to judge how common these characters are in black America. That child was born of sin. A child is your grandchild. What difference does it make how he gets here? Unbow your head, sister. James Baldwin is generally regarded as one of America's great 20th century writers. The fact that he's had so few of his works filmed is not necessarily a sign of endemic racism, but it's clearly a shame and one that hopefully can be rectified by other filmmakers now that Barry Jenkins has opened the door. You ready for this? I've never been more ready for anything in my whole life. It's been ages since I've seen a documentary as downright entertaining as Nathaniel Kahn's look behind the curtain of the art market, The Price of Everything. Well, the title tells you the angle. This is not a film about the place of art in today's world, just the cost. Ladies and gentlemen... The auction will begin shortly. Please take your seats. Art and money have always gone hand in hand. It's very important for good art to be expensive. There are several strands to the film. There are the auction houses like Sotheby's as we count down to the upcoming sale of a highly valuable collection and here are the sales reps justifying the wildly inflated price tags of modern art. $16 million. $17 million. You only protect things that are valuable. If something has no financial value, people don't care. There are the collectors, either reputable art lovers like Stefan Edlis or representatives of business moguls who aggregate art the same way and for the same reason they amass real estate, stocks and shares. They've got their eye on the resale value. That's where the profit is. People are very seduced and it just becomes about the money. Bubbles make beautiful things. Keep it floating. Don't burst it. And the experts, critics, art historians and connoisseurs may wring their hands over the insane prices painters like Jeff Koons, Gerhard Richter and Damien Hirst can command, but they're also prime contributors to the bubble themselves. What is it that makes a piece of art worth 10 million, 20 million? Great things tell you they're great. There are no rules about what is going to be good and what is going to be bad. Because art is art. 
The price of everything provides a short, potted history of how art was turned into a commodity, first by reminding us it was ever thus. Art was always the property of the 1%, first the church, then the Borgias and the Medicis, and later the modern-day plutocrats, anxious to show what they're worth by what they can show off. Rich people are incredibly insecure and incredibly neurotic. If you people have it, everyone else must have it. How do you stay sane? Would your paintings go for a million dollars at auction? <laughs> You're still alive. When the supply of the established old masters, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, Monet and the like, started to suffer due to fewer and fewer available paintings, collectors had to look elsewhere. Warhol and Liechtenstein led the new market, but soon there were dozens of highly bankable brand-name artists. And each sale, and more important, each resale, kept raising the price. They tried to make it like the best artist is the most expensive artist. Is that not true? How could it be true? 99% of artists don't have money. They have to make an enemy of envy, or it will eat them alive. There's a telling scene where one of the exciting coming artists follows an auction for her work. When her painting goes for a million dollars, she shrugs. She's certainly not going to see any of that money. It was a resale by a previous owner. But it may make a difference when it comes to her next work. What's more important, art or life? I would say art, because at least it lives forever. I really never made any money until recently. And lest we forget, the price of everything reminds us that the market doesn't only go up. The film compares the wildly successful conceptual artist Jeff Koons with his near namesake Larry Poons. When I say to people... I want to interview Larry Poons. Some people say, what happened to him? Where, where is yeah, he? Yeah, I know. Anyway? They think I'm dead. It's not my fault. Larry's sin, in marketing terms at any rate, was he made his name with a certain style, then abandoned it to try new things. And if there's one thing the nervous reef fish of the market aren't keen on, it's new things. If you invented fire, are you strong enough to go back to hell and try to make something new again. When I stopped painting dots, all my old friends, they stopped talking to me. Well, I'm a huge fan of your work. Reggie you said you only like the early stuff. No. The price of everything may be scathing about the failings of a system that tries to put a monetary value on something as intangible as art, but it's also funny and occasionally touching, thanks to the array of art makers and sellers on display. This is the value of a house. I like it, but... It's it's not a house. <laughs> There's a temptation for the artists to overproduce. Would it have been great had Monet done less paintings? The only people suffering in this hugely profitable racket, of course, are most of the artists themselves, who see very little of this money, and us, the general public. We're robbed of the chance to see much of this art because it's locked away in somebody's house, or worse, in a bank safe. <laughs> The art world is a very brutal place. Is it absurd? Yes. At $30 million. Sold to you. Thank you very much indeed. But even if the bubble eventually bursts, the art will still be around somewhere. And there's no pleasure quite as luxurious as strolling through one of the world's great art galleries or museums. You can't put a price on that. Well, it's closing time for this particular showcase. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.